Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Let's keep our Bibles in Genesis 29, and I pray that this is going to be a help to us this morning. As we look at this character of Jacob, the Bible says in verse number one, then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and beheld a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we? And he said unto them, Know ye Laban? the son of Nahor, and they said, we know him. And he said unto them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. And he said, lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, we cannot until all the flock be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. And while he yet speak with them, spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning as we spend some time looking at this amazing story from the journey of Jacob. And there are some really valuable lessons that you have given me and that I hope that are going to be a help this morning to each one of us. I pray that you would challenge us and you would encourage us and that we would leave different as a result of what we hear from your word this morning. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. In Genesis chapter number 29, I want to give a little bit of backstory here. We read about the story of Jacob, Laban, Rachel, and Leah, a very familiar story for most in this room, but I want us to take some time to reflect on this story and what it means and how we can apply it to our life. And I want to really dive deep into Jacob's journey here. And from what we see in this chapter, Jacob has been through it. Jacob's really been through it, right? And if you've been here for pastor's previous messages from Genesis 28 and Genesis 27, you've seen the highs and lows, the roller coaster that is Jacob's life. Man, receiving the birthright and and obviously tricking his brother, tricking his father and taking that birthright from Esau and the high he must have felt of receiving that birthright. And then, man, immediately his brother Esau finding out what he did and, and him having to leave and depart. And we'll look at that in just a minute. But Jacob has been through it. He's been on a great journey. He's on a journey that I don't think he would have ever imagined himself to be on. From the good old days of being with his parents, enjoying the comforts of home, and we know from the story of Jacob that he was a little bit of a mama's boy, right? So he was well taken care of, and he was comfortable, and he was content, and he was really happy with where he was. And he would have never imagined that this 
is where he would find himself. And I believe there are some valuable truths from Jacob's life in this chapter, from this journey. And you know, in our life as well, we sometimes are put on a journey. And on these journeys that we go on, there are times of detours, disappointments, and delays. And however, what we see through those moments is that we can thrive through these difficult moments. We can thrive through these difficult moments. And that's the title of today's message, Thriving in Seasons of Detours, Disappointments, and Delays. Thriving in those seasons. How can we thrive in these moments of disappointments, detours, and delays? Now, I don't have many gifts, okay? But there are some things that I'm pretty good at that I like to say, and one of the things that I feel like I'm pretty good at is I'm very good directionally. How many of you say I'm pretty good with directions? You, you pretty much know where you're going, you're good with directions, okay? You can put your hands down. How many of you say, not my thing, I'm horrible with directions, all right? You can put your hands down. And uh, me and my wife would be opposites in this sense. I am pretty good directionally, my wife is not. And I'm not going to tell a story for sake of time, because I've probably told it before and she doesn't like when I tell this story. Um, and, uh, but uh, my wife has never been good with directions, and I've been pretty good. And so a lot of times what that leads to is that leads to a little bit of pride and arrogance on my part, right? Like I don't need the GPS. I'm better than the GPS. I've been living in Orange County my entire life. I'm familiar with the streets. I'm familiar with the freeways. I am very confident in where I'm going. And so on this one specific occasion, we were taking a family vacation to Utah, and we were stopping to meet some friends that I have that live in Vegas. And so I'm very familiar with that route on how to get there. And I worked at, in Barstow, and I know that you go through Barstow and just continue on the 15, and eventually you're going to land in Vegas, right? And you continue down that path. And so that night we got everything packed up, and we were leaving. Well, the goal was to leave before 5 a.m., but when you have kids, you know that never happens, right? And so um, we did not leave before 5 a.m., but we left in, in, a, in a pretty good time, and we wanted to miss the traffic. And so we got on our way a tad late, and as we were going, mind you, no GPS, the kids are asleep in the back seat. It was just Chandler and Cruz at the time, and Damaris and I got into some conversations, and, and I mean this very sincerely, some of the best conversations that me and Damaris have are in the car. Like, those are good times for us to just have conversations. Usually we'll play a song for the kids in the back, and uh, we'll be able to talk and have good conversation in the front, and so we were probably getting into some deep theological conversation or something, and uh, we're driving down the five, and if you know freeways, you, uh, if you're living from where I, uh, leaving from where I live in Lake Forest, you hop on the five, and then your goal is to hop on the 55 to the 91 to the 15. Well, what happened was I got so distracted, I stayed on the five for over an hour. Yeah, a true story. And so I'm just, just having a great conversation with my wife, and we're encouraging one another, and I'm just cruising down the freeway. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, it just clicked in my mind, and I'm in L.A., and I, I probably, Javen, I probably saw Dodger Stadium, like the sign for Dodger Stadium. I'm like, what is happening right now? I completely missed my exit. And so what did I immediately do? Instead of, you know, being prideful and saying, I can get, I was like, okay, now I need the GPS. And I pulled out the GPS. And if you're familiar with the trip to Vegas, you know it can really be a, a, a four-hour trip if you're leaving that early and if you're driving, you know, a little bit faster. It can be a little quick trip. And uh, this, I'm not going to say the speed, but a little bit faster. And uh, when I turned on the GPS from LA, what should have been a four-hour trip from that moment, mind you, we had already been on the freeway for an hour, said it was going to be over five hours for us to get to our destination. I had added over two hours of time to our trip. 
Let's just say we had a great detour together. We saw the worst things you can ever see on a GPS, right? The dark red lines. The dreaded dark red lines, and you see that accident of that car with that exclamation point. That's like one of the most depressing scenes that you can see on your phone, right? And so, you know, I I see this, and I'm like, man, this is going to be horrible. Needless to say, there was a detour. There were disappointments. For me, I was disappointed in myself. For Damaris, she was disappointed in me, like typical. And uh, there were some delays, right? It took us over two hours to get there. And this morning, as we study the life of Jacob, we see the same thing. And not exactly directionally, although he may have had those experiences going to try to find Laban, but he experienced some serious detours, disappointments, and delays along his journey. And I want to help us and encourage us as we focus on God's Word this morning, we're going to take a look at some of those detours. And we're going to take a look at some of the hardships that Jacob had to go through and some of the lessons he had to learn during these detours. And so for the beginning part of this message, you might be like, man, this is, this is a little heavy. This isn't, this isn't very uplifting. Wait till the end. We see something amazing. We're going to take a look at how we can thrive through those experiences at the end. But from this passage, I see four lessons that Jacob had to learn through the detours along his journey. Lesson number one. Lesson number one we see from this story, consequences are inevitable. Consequences are inevitable. In verse number one, the Bible tells us, then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. Now, a journey doesn't necessarily equal consequences, but Jacob, why was Jacob on this journey in the first place? Well, if we remember from Genesis 27, Jacob had stolen the birthright from Esau, his brother. He tricked his father Isaac to believing, uh, to making him believe that he was Esau, and he received that birthright. And in Genesis 27, verse number 41, the Bible says, and Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then he said this, then will I slay my brother Jacob. You see, Esau was ready to kill Jacob over what had happened. Jacob had been completely deceitful Completely deceitful. He, along with his mother, had tricked his father, and Esau was absolutely furious. He was ready to kill Jacob over the issue. Because of this, Rebekah sent him away. Rebekah sent him away, and, 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 and they sent him on this lonesome journey because of his past mistakes. Jacob learned this valuable lesson. We can choose to sin, but we do not get to choose the consequences of our sin. All Jacob saw was the immediate pleasure All he saw was receiving that birthright and stealing that birthright and the joy that he must have thought that that would have brought into his life. He never thought about what lying and deceit would bring and having to leave his family. He never thought about that. All he cared about was the satisfaction that that birthright gave him. That's the only thing he considered. He didn't see the end. He didn't look at the end. He looked at what it would do for him. And we are often the same way. We see the immediate pleasure, we see the immediate satisfaction without thinking of the hurt, pain, and heartache it might bring to us and to those we love. We think about that immediate satisfaction and that immediate temporary happiness that it brings. And his decisions ended up leading him on this detour. All through Scripture, there are characters in the Bible who receive consequences for their foolish mistakes, specifically in the Old Testament. 
We read of the consequences of Adam and Eve, and Cain, and Moses, and the children of Israel, and then King Saul, and King David, just to name a few. You see, there are always consequences for our actions, and we can choose. We have the free will to make these decisions. We have the free will to choose to disobey God and to to sin, but we don't get to choose those consequences. And there are consequences for our actions, and something that I've been challenged with even this very week. When making a decision, and when giving opportunity to choose some sinful pleasure for a temporary satisfaction, I want to encourage each of us to look ahead. Something Pastor mentions over and over again, and I've heard him say, and he preached actually two Sunday nights ago, a message entitled, Lust Never Looks Ahead. But I think really we could really put the word sin in place for lust, right? Sin never looks ahead. See, sin looks for the temporary uh, satisfaction that it can bring to us. Something that doesn't last, sin brings that temporary fuel to us and, and will give us a, a small sense of happiness, but it does not bring true lasting joy. And we never look to the end. We always look for that temporary happiness that it brings. Secondly, we, we, we first saw that uh, there are consequences for actions. Consequences are inevitable. And secondly, Jacob learned that not only that, but he also learned that people are difficult. People are difficult. Just a make sure we're familiar with the story, Rebecca, Jacob's mom, sent him to meet up with Laban to marry one of his daughters. He finally made it to Haran. He runs into the shepherds and asks them if they know Laban. We saw that when we read the first 12 verses, and they said yes, and, and at that, that time he sees Rachel, and he tells her of the situation here, and she goes and speaks with her father, and then right here in verse number 18, or 16, I'm sorry, we see Laban come onto the scene. He becomes overjoyed and excited to see Jacob. We find ourselves in verse number 16, the Bible says this, and Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder, I got to say Leah. I always want to say Leah because I'm a Star Wars fan. Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. All right, so let me, set, let me set the scene here. Rachel, beautiful. Leah, good personality. <laughs> right? Like, that's what we read, right? Like, that's, that's just where my mind goes. Like, Rachel is beautiful. Leah, that's what you say. Like, when your friend asks you, is she pretty? You're like, yeah, she has a great personality. <laughs> right? Like, that's, 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 who, that's who Leah was. When, Rachel, when, when Jacob saw Rachel, I mean, it was immediate. It was immediate. It was like, you're beautiful. You're beautiful, it's true. Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. That's what he wanted, and he was, he was struck from the beginning, and he struck up this deal with Laban. And Leah was a nice person. Well, what happens? Laban agrees to the seven years of service. Well, why did Jacob, why did Jacob make this deal with Laban? Why did he make this deal of seven years? Well, you know, we, we know in Bible times, and we read in Bible times, that often if you wanted to marry a girl, you would speak to the father, and there would need to be a dowry, right? Well, Jacob was on his own. He had nothing. Remember, he received this consequence. Like, he had to leave his family. He was on his own. He was by himself. He had nothing to offer Laban. There was nothing that he could give, so the only thing that he could come up with was saying, I'll work for you. Seven years, I'll work for you. In verse number 23, the Bible says, and it came to pass in the evening 
that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him and went in unto her, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, uh, Zilpah, his maid, for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, it must not be done in our country to give the younger for the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve thee seven other years. Jacob, what goes around comes around. Don't we, don't we see this? Jacob doing this to his father, right? Don't we see the deceit, the lies, the tricking? And now this is happening to him. The same thing that he did to his father now has been done to him. He had just been tricked. Remember, immediately the Bible says he loved Rachel. Jacob didn't even mention Leah. The Bible didn't even say anything about Leah, about how, Rachel, about how Jacob felt about her. He immediately said, the Bible says he loved Rachel. Nothing about Leah. Yet after seven years of working, after seven years of this commitment, for him to be ready for the greatest day of his life, he was finished working off his debt to begin his new life. He was tricked just to have that love ripped away from you because of the deceit of another man. Church family, we need to understand that when working with people, they're difficult. People are difficult. And it's not to depress us, but it's to help us understand no matter what profession we work in, no matter what age or stage of life we are in, we all know that people are difficult. And sometimes we learn, like Jacob, that we can be the difficult people, right? Like we also need to look inside of ourselves and say, am, am I that difficult person? If everyone always has a problem with me, probably not everyone else is the problem, I'm the problem. But working with people is difficult, and we can learn from this story that in life, we have to deal with people that are sinful and deceitful, just like us. It has been said that difficult people force us to learn new ways on how to deal with challenges. Learn from our experiences with difficult people. Listen, you know what's crazy too is Laban is family. Sometimes family is the most difficult, right? Can I get an amen? Sometimes family is the most difficult. Those are the, those are the most difficult people that we work with. Dealing with family can be difficult, and Jacob already had some family difficulties, right? The problems with his father and his brother, and there were some difficulties, and these lessons can teach us new ways on how to deal with people. When given these challenges, it'll prepare us for future challenges. With every negative opportunity to grow, uh, with every negative thing that happens to us along our journey, we can use them as opportunities to grow. So when you encounter that difficult person in your workplace, or even at home, or in your community this week, that person you're fed up with, that you're tired with, that you're exhausted from being around, know that it's challenging, but it's preparing you. It may be challenging, but it's preparing you for future encounters. Number three, the lesson, the third lesson I see from this story. God does not operate on our timeline. This is a lesson we all understand, but struggle so hard to grasp. See, God does not operate on our timeline. We are impatient people. We want answers immediately. We expect to do what we, we expect God to do what we want and when we want it. 
And Jacob had to learn from this lesson that the things don't matter within our timeline. You see, Jacob was in a season of waiting. No one likes waiting. See, he had to wait for 14 years for what he wanted. Back in 2020, I remember um, pretty early on when COVID was, you know, ramping up. And, and uh, I remember I, I knew a few people that had gotten COVID and, and there was still some uncertainty around it and things. And, and uh, I remember I, I got COVID in, in 2020 pretty early on. And at this point when I got COVID, Damaris was pregnant and she was pregnant with Cruz. And so it was, it was obviously a, a, a really nervous time for our family. And so um, I got tested and I tested positive, which I knew I was positive before I even tested because I, I couldn't taste anything. I was drinking black, I hate coffee. I was drinking black coffee. It tasted like water. And, um, and so I, uh, I knew I was already positive. And so we, uh, we tested, Damaris got tested and she tested negative. And so uh, I, I sent her to go stay with my mom and my grandma for, uh, for 14 days. And that was the time, I think it was 14, maybe it was 10, I can't really remember exactly. But um, that, was, uh, that was the time uh, in my life where I had to learn patience unlike anything else I've ever experienced. 14 days by yourself. Listen, we're talking about dealing with difficult people. I know that I'm a difficult person. I had to deal with myself for 14 days. <laughs> I was bored out of my mind. I reverted back to a junior high kid. I, I, I think I had Matt Bowman come over and drop off my PlayStation at my house, and I was staying up till 4 a.m. drinking Mountain Dew and playing PlayStation. I had COVID. In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have been drinking Mountain Dew, but and it was a struggle. I'm an extreme extrovert. I like being around people. I, I can't say I was depressed, but I can say this. I was extremely bummed out. Extremely bummed out. 14 days of being with yourself. And I remember I would FaceTime Damaris, and she was pregnant with Cruz, and so we would call, and I would talk to Chandler. And at that time, like, Chandler was a year and a half, going to be two, uh, or he was two at that time, or close to it. And um, a two-year-old doesn't want to talk to you on FaceTime. Like, he didn't care. Like, every time, it was like, okay, like, go away. I'm playing with my toys. I'm with my grandma. I'm hanging out. Like, I don't want to be near you. And so that was making me feel, like, insecure. Like, my son doesn't love me anymore. And then, you know, Damaris is pregnant, and she's like, I don't have time to deal with you right now. Like, I'm pregnant. I got my own things going on. And so I'm sitting by myself just, like, discouraged. Like, all I had was, like, bags of French fries and chicken nuggets in the fridge, and I was eating dino chicken nuggets every day and just living the dream. And I remember trying to reason with Damaris. I was like, look, I will put a mask on. I will put gloves on. I will put a hazmat suit on. Just let me come over to the house and see everybody. And obviously because she was pregnant, she was cautious with everything. And, and uh, I had to wait and just be patient. And it was so difficult. I mean, I, it was so difficult to, to just wait. That's, that's not who I am as a person. I, I, I wasn't able to operate on my own timeline. I wish I would have been able to, but I wasn't. And we, by nature, are impatient people. We live in a society that expects things to happen right now on our timeline. However, we need to understand that our Christian journey, God does not operate on our timeline. He operates on His timeline. And by the way, that's a good thing. We should be grateful that God does not operate on our timeline. Because I know that if I wanted stuff on my timeline and what I wanted, I would have messed it up a lot of times. I would have made a fool of myself. I'm grateful that God does not operate on my timeline. Isaiah 55, 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
We don't always understand what God is doing and why he is doing it at a specific time. But we must trust that he is who he says he is. And he knows what's best for us. Don't view time like we view time. We need to view time like God views time. He sees things differently. So I, I told you, a few points are a little like, man, we're on this journey and there are consequences for our actions and God doesn't operate on our timeline and I have to wait and be patient and man, there's, people are difficult. But there's something so encouraging I see from this passage. So amazing that I want to pull out. There's such a powerful truth that I don't want any of us to miss. There are some bummer lessons that we've had to learn, that Jacob had to learn. Hopefully helpful, but not extremely encouraging. But fourthly, I see this. God uses unexpected and unwanted circumstances to accomplish his plans. God uses unexpected and unwanted circumstances to accomplish his plan. As we read the story of Jacob, we see a whole lot of negative here so far. We, we, we see lying, betrayal, pain, loss, deceit, and so much more. Yet we see God's plan unfolding in such a miraculous way. Such a way that if Jacob were to step back and, and we step back, taking away and looking at it from a, a biblical worldview, we look at this story and say it had to be God. It had to be God. Jacob wouldn't have come up with this plan for himself. And we know the Abrahamic covenant. We understand that Jacob is the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. In verse 13 of chapter number 28, we read that God communicates something beautiful to Jacob. He says this, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as, as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In the midst of uncertainty, God reveals himself to Jacob in a beautiful way. It may not be audible to us, but he does the same thing to us as Christians. We see him working in and through our lives. God was told, uh, uh, Jacob was told the same thing that was told to his grandfather Abraham. Yet in these moments in Genesis 29, we see some great difficulties. There were some great lessons he had to learn. He had some serious detours, yet in the midst of man's sin, God's chastening and seasons of waiting, God was using these unwanted and unexpected circumstances to accomplish his great plan. It has been said, our disappointments are his appointments. The journey that he was on led him to Laban. And when he met Laban, he saw Rachel. And remember, she was beautiful, and Leah was a nice person. He wanted Rachel. The Bible said in verse number 30, and he went unto Rachel and loved, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. Wow, burn. And served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Now we know that Rachel ended up having some kids, giving birth to Joseph and Benjamin. 
and we read the story of Joseph. And when pastor gets to that, I'm extremely excited. We, we see Joseph as a type of Christ. And I'm really excited when he gets to, to that character and we get to learn from that. And, and Joseph is an amazing character. And, and when we read the Old Testament, when we read Genesis, one of the first characters our mind goes to automatically is Joseph, right? Like we think of the story of Joseph and how beautiful that story is and, and really a rags to riches story, right? And how God brought him through and, and really something similar through this great journey. And, and we see something amazing happen in Joseph's life. But you know, neither Joseph or Benjamin were a part of that seed that would lead to our coming Savior. Not from Rachel. You see, God all along was performing his perfect plan. Look with me in verse number 37. Or verse number 35, I'm sorry. There's no 37. I was going to make up something for you. Would have been real good, too. Verse number 35. And she conceived again and bare a son. She said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Now, the Bible's talking about Leah here, not Rachel. Leah conceived again and bare a son, and his name was Judah. You see, all along, God was using these unexpected circumstances to perform his perfect plan. It was Judah. Judah was the one that we now know was in the lineage of Christ. All along, God was performing his perfect plan. And as we look at the meaning of Judah, the Hebrew name for Judah literally means this, thanksgiving or praise. All along through this circumstance, all along through the pain, the heartache, these experiences he went through, God was given the praise. God was given the praise. He took a man who had messed up, who had experienced great trials, who endured significant hardness, who went through a lot in his life, and yet in the end, he received the praise. God received the praise. We know the story of Joseph, and we think of him when we think of, when we think of Genesis, but it was Judah who was in that line of Christ. God wants us to thrive, even when the circumstances are not what we desired or what we would have planned. God wants us to thrive. And how can we do that? I think we can honestly say this. This is not what Jacob would have planned. This isn't what Jacob would have planned. He would have chosen a much easier path, right? He wouldn't have gone through this mess. He wouldn't have gone through these difficulties. I don't think any of us would choose difficult circumstances in life. Yet we can have confidence in a God who promises to be there with us every single step of the way. And we can see him to begin to unfold his perfect plan. I don't know where you're at in this room, but I want to challenge you with this. You may be on a difficult journey. You may have to take a pretty serious detour. But I want to let you know that you have a God that will be there with you through the unwanted and unexpected circumstances of your life. If you're a believer, the same God that took Jacob's circumstances, his difficult circumstances, and made a beautiful story is the same God that you serve today. And he's the same God that can do that same thing he did in Jacob's life, and he can perform it in your life. And he can take that mess and that destruction and that hurt and that pain that you have, and he can make it beautiful. You know what I have found? Detours are just that. They're detours. 
they will not stop God from getting to the destination. They're detours, but they will not stop him from getting to the destination. So trust him. Have we lost faith in the God of Jacob? No matter what hurt or pain you may be experiencing, our God can take that mess we make and turn it for good. You may be on a detour that feels long. It may feel like you're going to never get to the destination. But we have a God who knows and sees. Jacob didn't know that it would be Judah that would be that would be in that line to the lineage of Christ. If he would not have dealt with the difficulty of Laban, if he had not been tricked, Judah would have never been born. You see, the journey may be long, but it doesn't have to be lonely. The journey that you're on may be long, and it will be difficult, but it does not have to be lonely. You have a God who sees you, who hears you, and who will be there with you every single step of the way. We have a God that says in the book of Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is there with us through the difficult journey, through the pain. In these unwanted circumstances, God can still get the praise. So for each of us. What can we take away from this story in Genesis 29? Maybe it's one of those first three lessons. Maybe we need to look ahead. When making decisions, let's commit to say, I'm going to look ahead. I, I, I'm going to really try to focus on what is the outcome of this decision going to be? How is this decision going to impact my future family? How is this decision going to affect me? Is this decision going to cause negative implications on me and my family and those that I love? Maybe we need to say, I'm going to start looking ahead. Before I commit this act, before I, before I do this, I, I'm going to ask God to give me the strength to look ahead and say, Lord, help me. Maybe we learned this morning that working with people are difficult. And those difficult people prepare us for future challenges. You know what I found is difficult people are often hurting people. When someone is really difficult, usually that means they have a lot of pain. They have a lot of hurt. They have a lot of heartache. Difficult people are unavoidable. Let's show compassion. Let's be the Christians that God has called us to be. Let's show love to those that are hurting, those that are difficult to work with, that person at work in the office who just bother you, who get under your skin. Let's, let's show them compassion and love. Or maybe we learn the lesson that we need to trust God and don't expect him to work on our timeline. Maybe you're in a season of just waiting. And God's telling you, just be patient. Maybe you're trying to get some answers. And you're like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure this out, God. Like, I, I need an answer right now. And God's like, just, just cool it. Just wait. Like, I, I'm, go I'm, I'm going to make this path perfect. I know the destination. I know where you're going. I know where you're going to end up. Just wait. You're in a season of waiting right now. And that's difficult. And that's hard. But God will give you the strength to endure that. Or maybe you're here and you just need to fully commit your situation to God. And, and you're viewing what you're going through and it just seems unfixable. It seems like it's not, it's not going to be resolved. And this issue is, is so painful and it's just, it's eating inside of you. And you just need to let go and just say, I I'm going to allow God to use this for his glory. And it doesn't mean that the, the, the pain will necessarily go away. It doesn't mean that that trial is now going to become easy. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulties or there's not going to be hurt. But it means that there's going to be a God who's going to be with you every single step of the way. And we just need to let go and say, God, take this and use this for your glory. I don't know how God spoke to you specifically this morning, but I hope and trust that he did. And we can take 
some lessons from this, this, this amazing character of Jacob from Genesis 29. And we can see the detour that he went on, and we can say, whether I'm going through something now, or I'm, I, 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 I know that I will, and there will be a time where I will experience a detour in an unwanted circumstance, I'm going to commit right now to say, God, I'm going I'm to let you have control. God, I'm going to let you guide this thing. I'm not going to try to push my agendas or what I think is best. I'm going to let you have ultimate control in my situation, wherever God spoke to you. I challenge that we'll make a decision to commit our lives to say, God, whatever you have for us, I'll give it to you. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.